friends, and welcome to this week's edition of Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS. Dear JCPS is a district-focused stakeholder advocacy group that demands accountability and transparency from JCPS through a lens of equity. Save Our Schools Kentucky is a statewide advocacy group that seeks to expose and prevent attempts to privatize our public schools, including charter schools and everything else from the ALEC playbook. Welcome to the March 18th, 2021 episode of Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS. I'm Gay Adelman. I have concerns about the insurrection that is currently taking place in Frankfort, Kentucky. And I believe that what is happening in our legislature is treasonous. I believe that a handful of legislators have been put there by powerful people who are connected to uh, organizations, dark money organizations such as ALEC and the Koch brothers and Mitch McConnell and the pension uh, asset managers such as BlackRock. There have been ties to the treasonous acts that took place on January 6th uh, at our nation's capital uh, with these groups and entities and uh, it is important that we look and see if it's not happening from the inside this time with the onslaught of terrible, terrible, harmful, uh, uh, predatory, uh, over-policing, and uh, siphoning of resources and lies that were utilized in order to uh, allow such legislation to pass in the shady, shady acts of last-minute substitutions of bills people hadn't read. And we have two days left in this legislative session, March 29th and March 30th, to, uh, to pay attention to what is going on in Frankfurt. And it's entirely possible, it's entirely likely that our governor will veto many of these bills that have been passed, but uh, there are two days left and the legislature can override his vetoes in those two days. So I have some information that I, I need to start getting out there um, and let others know what I know, see what I see. And I'm gonna start with some of the early recordings of visits that I have had with lawmakers uh, tonight, I'm going to share a meeting I had with my senator, Julie Rocky Adams, in uh, 2017. I had met with her once before in 2016, um, and I will share that video at a later date. So I want to edit out the other person so that I don't expose them or put them in any uh, danger, uh, because I think that... Uh, I think that releasing some of this information is going to upset some people, and uh, I don't want to put any targets on other people's backs. My senator is a public official and has a responsibility as an elected official uh, to operate ethically and uh, let other people decide in their own words if that's taken place or not. Um, you know, sometimes when you're doing detective work, uh, we have to we have to come up with theories and then see if we can follow the theories. And sometimes they don't always play out. There's another logical explanation that doesn't make us wrong. That doesn't make us liars. 
Um, it, but it's easy to discredit all of the truthful information when sometimes we may get a little bit ahead of ourselves and say, what if, what if, what if? And uh, I'm gonna try to take all of, from this moment forward, and in fact, really I've tried since the beginning of this year uh, to start fresh, right? I've been accused of um, not asking in the right way and being a bully and all of these things, uh, even though I'm not in the power position, um, in these organizations, we're just trying to have our voices heard. So, you know, voting us out so they don't have to listen to our voices is the most common reaction that we encounter. And so, uh, you know, we get louder and louder because we've been pushed out and it's harder and harder to be heard. And so sometimes by the time people do hear us, it's because we're yelling, but it doesn't mean that we started out yelling. And so part of what I'm wanting to show you today is uh, the second conversation I had with my senator uh, in her office and, you know, that, that we've had respectful um, uh, solution-oriented conversations, or so I thought, and I, I would like for others to just be able to form their own conclusions. And I do have uh, a library of these types of recordings, and so um, over time, we'll just continue to share them and explore them and talk about them. And uh, I encourage others to look for things that I've missed. You know, sometimes lawmakers contradict each other. Uh, a lot of times lawmakers contradict each other. And, you know, I spent all of my days for the last several days watching the House and the Senate meetings. And you still can't see it all because there's things going on in the House and the Senate at the same time. And we've all got lives. Teachers are working, et cetera. So we all miss things. We need to work together as a team and see what we find and fact check each other and bring our theories together and see if they pan out. Um, I'll go ahead and share with you uh, some of the theories that I believe this will uh, uh, connect some dots to. Uh, and I encourage you to help me um, prove me wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. Prove me wrong. Um, but I do feel like just based on the information that I've witnessed, the actions that I've witnessed by certain people in uh, legislature, as well as certain people in district leadership, as well as certain people in uh, organizational leadership, and it's not just the teachers union, it's also PTA, it's also other unions. It's, um, and I have nothing against unions. They're, they'll tell you I'm a union buster and I'm absolutely not. In fact, I have another conversation with a different senator that I'll share with you on another day where I tell him that I fear that the way that the union is being led is uh, problematic for its members and for the future of unions. And I'm trying to give him a heads up as well. So we'll, we'll cover that on a different day. Today, I'm gonna play this uh, recording with Julie and uh, pause so that I can point out some of the things that maybe um, you've missed, uh, make it possible for us to tack on another show that goes deeper into some of these things like um, uh, Ed Choice, for example. I'm gonna to talk to you about something that Julie Rocky Adams did and who Ed Choice is, but that's an entirely different episode that we can spend more time on at a later date. So just to give you an idea, that's how I'm gonna structure these recordings. They'll run anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour. And uh, this recording that I have with Julie is about 35 minutes long. So uh, this, this episode will probably be close to an hour long. So here we go. 
Thank you. Um, I guess uh, I have a few things that yeah, what do we need to I was do? hoping I could bring to you today. Um, charter schools is obviously my passion. Um, it is? I did not know that. I know. I mean, surprise! what gets you up in the morning, my uh, friend? Um, I should let me rephrase that. I should say public education is my yes. passion and stopping charter yes. schools from yeah. harming the students such as the kids that attend my son's school um, because they are that lowest common denominator as you, yeah. as you saw. As I saw. Yep. And no one's been able to convince me that charter schools are going to help the students that attend a school like Shawnee even though when Bevan talks about it, uh, he talks about lowest performing, persistently low achieving, West End, generation after generation. Well, that's Shawnee. Like everything yeah. he keeps saying seems to be targeting Shawnee. But um, we are already a district of choice. Competition between the schools, has, especially with the emphasis on high stakes test scores, has only exacerbated the disparities between the haves and the have nots. Yeah. And opening up a charter school that just by its nature requires an application, requires an involved parent, requires uh, transportation to go visit the school if nothing else. Right. These are all barriers that our families at Shawnee already have. So that's the, okay, I know this might be a dumb question, but okay, if let's say that there's a charter school that opens up near Shawnee, are they allowed to use the public bus system? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So public schools kind of are the catch-all for everything, all the expenses that nobody wants to pick up or all the students that nobody wants to take. The charter schools have the ability to even kick them back to the public school if they feel their disability is too profound for them to actually provide services to them. So they don't even exist with the same set of operating procedures. Public schools take everyone. Charters have an application, so they only take people that have the wherewithal to apply. Um, being a district of choice, I've already tried to get parents just to apply who live in the Shawnee neighborhood to apply to the Shawnee school because we bus everyone away from Shawnee. So yeah, you were telling me that. Yeah, so we can't even get them to apply to attend a school near them because they don't have the time to do the research. They're possibly illiterate. Maybe English isn't their first language. They're on drugs. They're in prison. There's just so many barriers. Barriers. Um, so having a charter school will help the kids that already have involved, engaged parents but it won't help the ones that they, that they purport to help. So, and then they siphon money away from our public schools that are already underfunded and struggling. My son doesn't, you probably saw, they don't have textbooks that are current in a lot of their classes. They're making copies of, of things instead of everyone having their own book. Um, the lab was the most surprising to me. They don't have enough stuff for even kids to do lab work. Right. So it's like a couple get to do it and a couple don't. Really? That doesn't surprise me. Okay, I'm gonna pause it right there. Um, so I just wanna set the stage a little bit and let you know the date that this meeting took place was February 10th, 2017 in Frankfurt in Julie Rocky Adams' office. One of the first things I noticed was uh, how she immediately was concerned about busing costs and not necessarily uh, the inequities and the concerns for the students and the fact that we we're cutting uh, kids in the West End short, even though I had brought that up. So um, that should have been a flag. Um, 2017 was the year that and they had just gotten uh, a lot more Republicans in power. And so that first week of session, they passed like seven 
really bad bills in seven days. And it, it included right to work and uh, many things that outraged all of the unions, not just teachers, but all the unions. You may remember there was a big uh, uprising in Frankfurt that first week after they had that uh, monumental wave of bad legislation, not, un un not much unlike what we saw in Frankfurt this past uh, few days in session. So I had met with her once before and that was in 2016, which I, like I said, I'll share that audio clip at another time. Um, but, but one of the things that we did that day was invite her to shadow my son at Shawnee. So you're hearing her talking about the fact that she saw that my son's science lab, she spent an hour or two in the school building with him and between bells, you know, traveled with him from class to class and got a sense of, you know, some of the activity going on at Shawnee and the um, uh, demographics that we serve uh, and just the energy, you know, the climate and the energy. And so um, I appreciated her for doing that. And so she acknowledged some of the things that she saw that uh, made more sense uh, because she, she has something relatable to, to share. So that's, that's what that reference was in, uh, was about. So, so yeah, I, I know, um, I, I, I appreciate you meeting with me and I know that we can, I know you're a Republican and so you have an obligation really to represent your party. And so I'm trying to say this in a way that's not no, confrontational. You know you're, what I mean? You're not. You know what I'm saying? Not. We know each other well enough. Okay. Um, so my question, I guess, to you is, is there any information that I could provide to you that would sway me, sway you to, to vote against your party line on this particular issue? Yeah. And here's the, here's really the truth. I get, and I tell people all the time, like, you're so passionate about this and I want to listen to you. And then I get, you know, Mary over here is passionate on the other side. Sure. So I'm, I'm trying to manage all of the expectations. My thought is, I think the train just kind of left the station on charters. I think where we can make an impact is, devil is in the details, mm -hmm. that yeah, we can, because if I, I could vote no, and it would be of no consequence, because I think the charters it, are probably gonna go. Okay, well, let's talk about that. First, let's talk about the most recent statement. She thinks her vote is of no consequence. And uh, she also is gaslighting me and telling me that charters are inevitable. So I might as well just, you know, let's focus on the devils in the details. Let's focus on making the charter school bill better instead of recognizing that there are harms actually caused by charter schools and we should still continue to try to fight them. And besides her vote's inconsequential, so uh, we'll later find out that it's not. But um, those are some gaslighting tactics that basically are intended to kind of just uh, keep me from having any success in that area. Um. Where I think I can be effective is trying to, for you to identify what I can help you with. Like an language. amendment or something. Yes. Once we see what's in the bill. See, that's the thing, too, is we can't even fight a bill because we don't know what's going to be in it. Right. We know that there are two more coming, and one from the House and one from the Senate, theoretically. Yeah. Um, so. And, and here's the truth. I have heard that the Senate is not that down on Gerald Neal's bill. 
Right. She has heard that the Senate is not that down with Gerald Neal's bill. Okay, well, Gerald is a Democrat and the Senate was majority Republican. So uh, the Senate is not gonna be down with the Democrats bill, period. Uh, my understanding historically was that Gerald Neal was involved in writing a charter school bill many, many, many years in a row because he also believed that we should just pass a safe charter school bill instead of a harmful charter school bill, um, as if that was some form of protection. But instead of passing that bill, nothing passed until the Republicans took control. And then suddenly they wanted their own charter school bill and not the one Gerald Neal had been proposing all this time. So um, Gerald Neal's, Neal's bill comes into play a couple more times. So I wanna just make mention of Gerald Neal's bill. Um, because uh, it gets used as a scapegoat for not being able to come out strongly against charters. Brent, he has blamed the fact that he has always supported Gerald Neal in his efforts to put forth a soft charter school bill as his reason why he couldn't come out against charters uh, when, it, when it mattered. And in fact, there will be another program where we'll talk about uh, the attempt to form a coalition to stop charter schools and how JCTA was initially involved. And then when we used the stop charters in Kentucky language, uh, they withdrew their financial commitment that they had already made and that I had already uh, started spending. They had agreed to, to spend, I think it was $5,000 the first year uh, to support the marketing efforts to stop charters uh, through our coalition. And there were many organizations that came to these initial coalition meetings, uh, but because JCTA later pulled the plug on it, it all fell apart. And we're gonna talk about that pattern because that happens over and over and over in this uh, history, this chronology that I'm going to be sharing with you, so. So I don't know what the politics are right now of whose bill's gonna go and whose we need to, because I'm like you, I'm like, well, what, what's gonna move? I do hear that uh, JCPS is thinks that Gerald Neal's bill is workable. The problem with Phil Moffitt's bill is that he's has, and I'll deny that I ever said this, but I'll say it to you, he's just very condescending about how he knows better than yes. you do, and he, or I do, and about everything, not just this like, bill. Okay, Phil Moffitt was my house rep. When I was meeting with Julie, Tina Bojanowski is now my house rep. So that's who Phil was. Phil was backed by Alec. Phil Moffat is who she's talking about. Um, the She says that Gerald Neal's bill is at least workable according to JCPS. Okay, that doesn't really surprise me. Um, uh, but again, we we wanted to take a stronger stance than just, you know, quote unquote, good charter schools because of the research because of what we've seen uh, ha being in implemented in other states and who we know is behind this bill. Like I said, Phil Moffat is ALEC. Uh, ALEC is the American Legislative Exchange Council. I'm not gonna do an entire program on that because you can Google it. So there's some really great videos, um, but it's basically the Koch brothers, it's dark money. Uh, it's probably uh, who's funding Mitch McConnell. ALEC creates what it calls model legislation pro-corporate laws like this one that its members push in state houses across the country. I, 
last time I checked, I don't think you've ever been a teacher or you've never been in administration or you've never been, I don't know where he feels the moral authority to do this legislation because he's never fucking been involved. Well, granted, he's a parent, but I think an uninvolved one. Not that, not that I'm making any no, I, accusations. I, and where, where I haven't seen him at any board meetings. Like, where is he trying to in affect change from within? Within, yeah. It, I, I don't, I don't see <clears throat> that. So, so I think the way that I can be of assistance is, I, I, well, one way is I, I told my leadership, I said this is a big deal and if you think that you will keep saying that we don't need to do too much controversial stuff during the short session these are things that need to wait I said if there's anything that I think we need to put the brakes on it's this because it's pretty significant we need to do it right if we're going to do that's it that's what all. I said I'm like I would rather wait and do it right than to cram something that we're constantly trying to fix yes. on the back end yes um, so I think that I will continue to say, please, let's slow down. But then as far as specifics, you know, I don't know. You have to tell me what I can help you okay. on because this is not my issue area. I mean, I'm just, I'm not that good on these issues. I'm a good listener. Um, but you know more than me. I mean, I had one son go to Catholic school and one son go to the DePaul school. So I have Catholic and private. So I don't, I don't really know what the right. struggles are. Right. Um, I'd be happy to, to do that as soon as we see what's in the bill. And again, politics is all new to me. I don't, I don't know if one comes out of the House and one comes out of the Senate. They have to get out of committee or something. I guess that is out of committee. So we'll do committee. Okay. okay here's the only thing in your favor, too, is that Phil is not. So if he tries to do, I'm so smart, and this is my cram down. Yeah. I don't know if he will go. If people will go along. The other thing too is, if you want to slow it down, the political suggestion is um, that the rural legislators will will be more influential in slowing it down than will the urban. Okay. Okay. So. She's whispering, so I don't know if you can hear it, um, but she was telling me that Phil Moffat is not very well liked, so they're probably not going to have him introduce a bill because it uh, probably won't go anywhere, and um, she was telling me to focus on rural districts because uh, the urban, there's going to be an urban-rural divide, she's hinting at, and of course, we're the, she's an urban Senator, and we're in urban district, and they've got their uh, designs on JCBS. This is a bill specifically designed to uh, the charter school bill was a bill specifically designed to force JCPS uh, to do things. As long as they realize that it's coming to their area too, like it will impact them, they have to get that sense of. I've had a urgency. couple of guys say to me, "Oh, I don't care about charters. That's easy because it's just going to be Louisville and Lexington." And I said, I don't think so. I think it's the whole state. And they're like, well, I wouldn't be, I'd be opposed to it if it was the whole state. It's just, that just needs to be a little Lexington thing. Well, and here's what I think they're going to do. I think one of the bills that comes out is going to have just Louisville and Lexington for start. And so it'll... I would vote against that. Okay. 
And I would vote against just a Louisville Lexington bill because know. here is why. If you if we're going to do this, why would you single out Louisville and Lexington as the little petri dishes? I mean, no. What's good for the goose is good for the game. Right. Yep. Everybody should be involved. If we all sink or swim. So I I I would be completely opposed to just a Louisville or Lexington bill. And I would hope that the rural legislators would as well because why would they wish something on someone else that they're not willing to? They're not willing to take themselves. That's right. And not only that, evidence, history has shown us that in other states where charters start out in urban areas, they eventually open it up to everyone. And even if they say, well, my community doesn't have enough population to start another school. We're, we're fine the way we are. And there's nobody going to want to come into our area. Charters have been known to come into uh, multi-county areas, and especially with what Hal Heiner said about opening up districts to cross-county lines, that makes it even easier for a charter school to come in and make an academy of multi-county that recruits athletes and stellar... Oh, I've already had a meeting with a company. They wanted to meet with me, and they're a company that does um, technology learning. Yes, and what they the want to do, people. Yes, they want to come in to those rural counties and pull those kids yeah. and do a virtual charter. Sure, who wouldn't? And take the same per pupil allocation as yep. a brick and mortar with an athletic department and a cafeteria and a custodian and heating that's and electric. Exactly what I was thinking. You got to be kidding me. Yep, but that's what happens. That's what my article that was in today's paper talks about. Yeah. It's just that slippery slope, and they just keep coming back for more and more. Right. And we've seen it in other states. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's better to do a good bill now. Yeah. Or no bill. Um, but so a good bill now. Give me a couple of things I can work on. Okay. Um, I think it needs to be local authorizers, local school board. And. Uh, this, uh, Brett. What? This is the most Hello. serious senator in the Senate. Yeah, He's my sweet mate. This serious. is Gay Alderman. Hi. Hey, Gay. Hi. Nice, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Where are you from? Louisville? I'm from Louisville. And yeah. I'm she from lives down the street from me. Are you stuck with her then? I am. Oh, She's my rep. Gosh. She likes me, though. Senator, I should say. Yeah, you better stay senator. I know. You used to be a rep, didn't you? See, she I was looking at something. Serious. I was like, they yeah. made a mistake. She's a senator. and She wants to feel rep, senator, and governor. President of the United States. President. Yeah. I'll vote for that. Yeah, she's way up there. Shit, I'm just trying to get Gay to vote for me one time. Yeah. Oh man, she's against you. She's a she's a big Democrat. Hey, she was in oh, she, she was in the Courier one, today. She won them there diehard liberals. Well, she's, she's half liberal, so you should vote for her. She, that's why we can talk. That's I mean, exactly right. she can listen she's and relate enough. to what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. I think it's that female thing. The women just are more empathetic. I know. Right. And we're better negotiators. We're better. See, I don't feel we like control all the money and all and have most of the power. So I mean, it's hard to negotiate with. Really? This is true. This is true. Yeah. I feel like, um, you know, we may have your staunch one side and I'm staunch the other side. And instead of saying, you know, my way or your way and we have right. to arm wrestle over it, tell me what your concerns are. Let me tell you what my concerns are. Oh, you didn't, I didn't know that about That's your concern. Right. Here's a third option that we could all get behind. Yeah. Maybe we wouldn't have come up with that if we hadn't brainstormed. Yeah. And I think women are good at that. Well, you, awesome. have to be, you have to be willing to, I agree, women are. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Jared's had his share of awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Can't blame me for that, can you? Uh, I don't even know what she's talking about. <laughs> but uh, but no, that's right. You, some people are just not willing to have a different opinion brought to them. You know right. What I mean? Right. Scared exactly. of it, I guess. Or even just to understand why why somebody feels the way they do. Right. Like 
I mean, I'm just a parent. I'm not a lobbyist yet. I'm thinking about, Come on. Thinking about getting into this politics game, but um, I'm not paid by anybody to express my concerns, and, but I'm fighting the charter school legislators who have billions of dollars behind their movement and their messaging and their people that'll be trying to discredit my opinion letter. I guarantee you, Bix will be out there Monday with some kind of piece about how I'm some well-meaning soccer mom, da-da-da, but... I'm not, what are my motives? My motives are simply because I care about my community. So that actually was a reference to um, an article Gary Hodgins wrote about me. Forgot about that until just now. Gary Hodgins wrote a piece on his little uh, uh, Western Kentucky University website, I believe, where he called me a well-meaning soccer mom, but that I didn't know what I was talking about. And so I um, made a snide comment referencing that. I don't know if she got it or not. Come after me for that. You know? Yeah. You say, come at me, bro. <laughs> you are listening to Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS. I'm your host, Gay Adelman. This is the March 18th, 2021 episode. And I am playing excerpts from... A meeting that I had with Senator Julie Rocky Adams back in February of 2017 and the reason that I'm doing this is because I want others to know and see what I know and have seen and have been told by the people working behind the scenes in Frankfurt uh, to help facilitate in my opinion uh, treasonous acts that include uh, lying in order to pass legislation that is not what is in the best interest of the voters and the constituents that they represent, but instead are in the best interest of dark money groups that help get them elected, help uh, them stay elected, uh, help fund their campaigns through dark money that has been in part siphoned out of teachers' retirement assets. And they are utilizing teachers' own money against them against public education in particular, and I believe that to be uh, disingenuous and unethical and hopefully illegal, and hopefully uh, more will come out about this as tapes like these continue to be released. We now continue with Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS on Forward Radio 106.5 FM, also available on SoundCloud.com under the Forward Radio program. Come after me for that, you know? Yeah, you say, come at me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to get too deep here, but so what's your opinion on how you are going to can help Jefferson County Schools then? Um, I started a, at a group called Dear JCPS about a year and a half ago. Um, I spoke at a rally. She did. She I came like, and shadowed my son's uh, yeah. school. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why the board were not. <laughs> um, JCPS definitely has some problems. In fact, I was quoted in an article in the CJ yesterday for my response to Bevan's statement about JCPS being a disaster. I don't know if I would say it's a disaster, um, but some of the things that we're struggling are things that I brought to you a year ago. Yeah. Um, we put too much emphasis on high-stakes test scores. Uh, that takes a lot of money and time and energy and causes adults to focus on the wrong thing. It causes people to cheat and game the system, and it's not about what's in the best interest of the kids. Right. So taking emphasis off of high-stakes test scores is one of the huge ways that we could be fixing, uh, especially in a district of choice. If you're a district where everybody goes to your local school and you choose your neighborhood and then you go to that school, that's one thing. But when you have a district where 
schools are competing with each other for that for that grade and for those students because right. those students are going to help them keep that grade and then you place so much students. emphasis on that on that yeah so it just cre creates a huge disparity between the haves and the have-nots and that's <coughs> how I became so aware of all of it is my son went to the Academy of Shawnee which is a persistently low achieving school in the West End um, that serves a high needs high poverty high trauma population and um, my son did quite well there because he had the supports at home. He's not in poverty. He's um, got an involved advocating mom. Sure, that's, um, right. that's what That makes the difference in a, in a successful story. Sure. Not the school, not the teachers, not the building. So to label a school persistently low achieving when it serves a different population than a manual and then continue to make it impossible for a school like that to get out of its priority yeah. status because what are you, you can't change the population. Well, we could have changed it. One of the things the district probably could do is read district boundary lines and change that student mix, and then overnight we'd be out of, out of a priority status. So. Not because the school's doing better, just because of the quality of the student. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's the only problem. And, and uh, I've been, a, my ex wife was a school teacher, so I dealt with it for a long time, and I, all my friends are teachers. And I, I mean, I, I, that's, I, I always give that philosophy but, that you have to treat it like a business, but the only problem with it is, is there's one piece of it, and the product that you're making, it's all treated differently at home. Yeah. And so it's hard for a dog to come can't out at the end send the it back. You know what I mean? You oh, can't yeah. say this is yeah. a, yeah, you can't a have poor quality <laughs> merchandise. I'm going to yeah. send it back because yeah, I'm right. making widgets that have to be made out of this quality yeah, material. If they're not square, then we don't want them. Yeah. And so that's the only product. That's, charter that's schools tough. can do that, though, which is one of the reasons why I'm opposed to yeah. charter schools because they get to siphon out. They pick and choose just through a barrier, uh, entry barrier, yeah. you know, the application process. Um, plus, they have the ability to counsel students <laughs> out based on their uh, needs or you know, it's too subjective. There's just too much subjectivity. So you're against them having a, a, a no. like a, uh, uh, I don't know the right word, I guess like a trial program to see if charters would make a difference? We've you're seen... talking about that open-mindedness. Yeah, curious. we've seen what's happened in 43 other states. I don't really need to have a trial period here to see what, because what we've seen is that once you get them in your state, it's a lot harder to get them out. Yeah. And my op-ed today was called, referred to them as locusts, even though that wasn't my headline that I came up with. He took that one little sentence out of there and made it the headline yeah, and made it the focus of my article. Some more papers. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, they just kind of, they, they're looking for our AAA tax rated tax money, AAA rated tax dollars, and they want a little bit more and a little bit more every time. So yeah. they, there's a lot of influence behind right. them. So it's well, it's good you're involved. Good deal. Yeah. It's nice to meet you. Good to meet you. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Keep, keep working here. I will. All right. Keep working. <laughs> she needs to go away. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> just joking. Yeah. Hey, are you going to be here for a little bit? No. I'm getting back to work. I got work today. Full boy from Berea. I got work. Are you um, concerned about charters senator. in your community? No, because honestly, we probably won't have any. I'm from. That is incorrect. You want me to tell you why? Let's hear it. Okay. Um, Listen. You better be scared. When, when the, I don't know if you saw the article in Inside you don't Louisville. Know where my community is. What? You don't even know where I live. You said Berea. I heard you. Okay. I, didn't know I used to pass by there every time. I, I used know. to live in Corbin. Okay. Okay. Well, you know Just where Berea is then. Yeah. So, um, first of all, that's just their op modus operandi. They look for more and more ways to come in. They'll bring online schools. Julie even said she had an online person coming in talking about how they'll come in and, into small communities, offer online uh, education, and they keep the same per pupil allocation as our brick and mortar schools that have all this overhead. Um, they take that money out of your schools. Um, second of all, there, there can be multi-county. Even if you don't think your district is large enough to support a second school, a competitive school, they'll build a multi-county one and they'll recruit um, regional areas. In regional areas, they'll call themselves academies, and they'll recruit your athletes, your your mathletes, um, 
you know, and take money out of your out of your school. Well, like, what do you think about these homeschoolers that just left my office and wanted tax credit for educating their kids at home, and they don't get any tax benefit for doing that, but yet they pay taxes. To That's the their schools. choice, and I think the reason I pay taxes to public schools is because I want a good dem- democratic society that cares about everyone getting a good baseline education for good employment and good citizens and you know, that kind of thing. I, my son doesn't go to school in public school anymore either, but that doesn't mean I, don't, I get to stop paying right. taxes. So if they want to homeschool, that's their choice, but they shouldn't be doing it on my dime. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah they're coming. I know. And you know what else is scary? Even in Louisville alone, um, the, the exposure that we have for kids in private school and homeschool, the very first day that we open up to vouchers, because that's what's next after charters is vouchers, um, as soon as we open it up to vouchers, we have a, we've lost $180 million. Even if you use a conservative figure of $6,000 per kid, you've lost $180 million out of Jefferson County before you had a single student leave your care because all the homeschoolers and private schoolers will come after that money. Yeah, those voucher dollars. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so... Because they put a cap on this bill, my numbers sound exaggerated, but there was no cap on the bill when it was first being discussed. So uh, I was using the hypothetical uh, situation that if suddenly every child that was going to private school in Jefferson County was able to get a voucher and that money was paid out of the same money that is paying for our public education, that would be the financial exposure that we would have. So. Over, the, over time, they will expand those caps and be at those uh, limits. And see, the thing is, is the kids that are already in private schools are gonna have their tuition offset by these tax credits and the kids that are in public schools will continue to go to public schools and not be able to access the funds or not be able to access enough funds to pay their tuition and their textbooks and their transportation uh, and their uniforms, et cetera, uh, and they won't be able to afford the full costs, so it won't be able to be taken advantage of by the people they claim it's intended to help. So It's fun stuff up here. You, you, you should run for something. You'd love it. I was thinking about running. Maybe Julie and I could be like double trouble. Why are you trying to get me an opponent? <laughs> no, I wouldn't run against her. I like her. I'd run against <laughs> Phil Moffitt. Yes. Yeah. Phil needs to go. You, you're not for Phil? We could be good, we couldn't we? We'd be like the dynamic nice team. We would. No, I just never get to see you anymore. I'm, he's I'm, so busy with like real life. He's my favorite senator. I'll see you soon. He's the only one that's not stuffy. <laughs> you know, when you're poor, you can't afford to be stuffy. Oh, God. <laughs> Whatever. Have a good weekend. I'll see you first week. All right. Good to meet you. The, uh, okay, so local authorizers. Yeah, um, because they're democratically elected. Do you see what I mean? He said, oh, we won't get a charter school. They, I'm telling you, I know. they all think it's just Louisville. I know. And you're like, no. Phil Moffat even said in his interview, we'll start in Louisville, Lexington, Northern no. Kentucky, or he already said Owensboro, Northern Kentucky, and Green, uh, Bowling Green. So, I mean, that's in print from him. That's their strategy. They've already said it. And you know what? And they're lying. They're lying because based on, I think, how the language reads. It's ambiguous enough to... Yeah, because they'll say to get those kind of guys to vote for it. Just go, vote for oh, it. Oh, it's, not, it. it's, not, you're, it's not going to come. And then I met with the virtual learning people who were like, oh, yeah, we can't wait to pick this rural part up, this rural part up. It's coming. I know. And nobody's li- like keeping their eyes open or ears open. 
even um, it wasn't until Betsy DeVos's testimony that people even knew what charter schools right. people in the state even knew what charter schools were. Okay, I had that vest on today, and somebody said, "What do you? Do? Why do you have that vest on?" And I said, "I'm killing bears." <laughs> Because, you know the quote, I'm like, I'm She wants guns in schools in case we get grizzlies. There's a, somebody introduced a bill. I had Moms Demand Action in my office yesterday, and they're like, did you know that there's a bill that will allow people to conceal carry guns on school property? And I said, have we all lost our minds? So you're anti-gun? Or you're pro-gun control, I should say? I... Do you side with the Democrats on guns? I have no problem voting against a bill that would allow guns on school property, okay, good. period. Good. It's insane. It is. You know, we were talking about Senate Bill 7, which was, you know, basically you don't have to have any requirements to carry concealed anymore. And we were talking about it in caucus. And I said, bring up the bill. I said, bring it up. And I will make a floor speech. And I will be proudly voting no against that bill after I completely excoriate all of the provisions of this bill. And I said, and I will be deemed the most reasonable Republican ever in the state of Kentucky. <laughs> I said, I welcome that mantle because this is insane that we would even consider getting away with safety training for guns. Absolutely. And everyone was like, well, settle down, settle down. I go, no, bring it. I'm telling you, bring it. It will make my day. People have lost their minds. I know. And like he said, oh, I won't get a charter school. I'm like, yes, you will. Yes, you will. And there's all, ah. Okay, so we want local authorizers. We do want local authorizers because isn't, the whole mindset that we want government out of our business, don't we want to push more control down to the local level? As a taxpayer, if I'm paying my taxes in, I want the ability to hold those people that spend my money accountable. So when you say local, does that mean, like, does that mean superintendent level? Does that mean site? How, how, how does school that, board. School board. The elected school board. Okay. Because if they're not holding the superintendent accountable, for example, which is what's been happening in JCPS for the last six, last six years, okay. then we can vote them out, which we just did. We got rid of David uh, Jones and Chuck Hathaway resi- retired. So we have two new school board members who both ran on the platform of getting rid of the superintendent, which I don't know if they can, but they can at least hold her accountable. Okay. So that's, that's new since November. So these are the kinds of improvements that our group is able yeah. to make. We advocated yeah. for those two candidates. Okay, good. So Okay, so we need local authorizers. I should say democratically elected school board as local authorizer. Yeah. They talk about the mayor, which he is um, also democratically elected, he or she, depending on who it would be. But um, he doesn't have a direct involvement with the school system enough to understand what the big picture is. As long as we have a district of choice like we do, we need an organization that has the ability to look at big picture and not just carve a piece of our budget out and build a school across the street that... Yeah, that concerns me too. Um, Because I think sometimes Frankfurt or the department sees it as, oh, I'll fix this little problem. And they have no idea of, about the holistic right. impact yeah. of that. Unintended consequences, okay. even if they're well-meaning. Um, 
I, I think a local school board and then it needs to be nonprofit which it says in Phil Moffitt's bill but that doesn't uh, prevent uh, outside organizations that are for-profit coming in and running it like it can be operated by a nonprofit but then they can hire an EMO and I don't think that that's right because any any avenue that we leave open for privatizers publicly traded companies for example to come in and carve off our tax dollars um, is not in the best interest of our students because okay. they've, they've got stock stockholders yeah stakeholders sure. versus stockholders they've got stockholders that they're accountable to so they're looking at ways to streamline their bottom line and if they save money that goes to their CEO's pocket right. or to their um, profit margin that shows that their their stock value should go up and it doesn't go back into the school and serve you know and a lot of these EMOs are notorious for cutting corners on special needs EMOs. students yeah uh, education management organization they're for-profit and uh, a lot of them are known for cutting corners on special needs students because there's a lot of money to be made because they come with more support dollars yeah. and then we find a way to just kind of warehouse them and not serve their needs and they don't have to meet as you heard Betsy DeVos say that she doesn't think they need to meet the same IDEA uh, requirements the federal requirements that um, our public school students have to meet so okay. those are some examples or they just um, keep the money a lot of no, a lot of EMOs are notorious for actually keeping the money and then after that um, attendance day has been counted and they get that those funds then they have special needs that are too profound to be served in that school and they kick them back to the public school but they don't kick the money back they keep the money that happens a lot because it's a fifth day count people put their head on the pillow at night if they know. do stuff like that I don't know amazing one of the guys that runs these uh, charter operators is the same guy that's involved in that Turkish coup that's here um, I don't know if you follow Gorkian or whatever his name is he um, was part of the coup to overthrow the Turkish government and he's exiled here and he runs all these charter schools G-U-L-E-N and he's a billionaire off our dime it's good if you can get it. Why didn't I think of that? Damn, Damn it. I know. Why are we just normal? I don't know. Shoot. Let's start All an right. online school. I'll so start. are these the two biggies? Um, I think so. Uh, there's probably okay. more. Um, not being able to discriminate. Um, it just depends. It depends yeah. on what comes out. It comes yeah. out of the bill. I'll look it over. I'll find something that's just a no, no go. Yeah. I'm sure there'll be something that's just a no go, and I'll. I'll bring it to you. Maybe we can get a minute to it. Um, let me start out with these. Not being able to discriminate is one of the reasons why the bill almost, one of the reasons that it got any delay at all, one of many reasons, but right to discriminate was brought up. The bill is allows schools to discriminate and push out students that don't um, follow this uh, private school or religious schools entrance requirements, for example. That's problematic. And the, also, let me get the political landscape. Okay. Is who's the other good thing for you is that Jeff Hoover does not like Phil Moffat. If you she was with me, but. Jeff Hoover is interested in giving them all the rest of his anything. Really? 
even if it means okay. Republican women. Again, I think she said that early on too, but she said, I don't think uh, Jeff Hoover is interested in giving Phil Moffat a bill. Uh, as you may or may not know, Jeff Hoover is no longer Speaker of the House, but he was um, prior to a big falling out, uh, scandal falling out, really scandal is a better word, um, or during the Bevin administration. And there became a separation in the Republican Party. There was the Hoover Republicans and the Alec Republicans, obviously, uh, is is what I'm going to assume because Phil Moffat was Alec and Hoover didn't like Phil. Hoover probably saw what Phil was up to. Hoover probably saw what Bevin was up to. Um, my suspicion is that all of those men and women, uh, mostly, let me just, let me take that back. All of those men um, do things that they shouldn't be doing and get away with it. And it is likely that business as usual just became front page news because somebody was throwing somebody under the bus. And I'm not excusing uh, the things that uh, the individuals that got caught up in that scandal. Um, I'm not excusing those behaviors. I was just, I'm just simply saying that it probably uh, was political. Polit the exposure of it was probably political. And Jeff's, and Jeff's wife is a school teacher. Interesting. So That's good that, to know. File that away. Russell County. Okay. Where is that? Um, is that where he's from? Yeah, it's like kind of Pulaski, Adair, kind of okay. around in there. Good to know. So, do you think he'll bring a different house bill forward? Most likely. Jeff Hoover. So now Jeff has been replaced so do you think he'll bring a different by Max Wise, who is probably not likely to vote with us. But it's good to know that even in Pulaski County, there may be a divide that we could tap into. Let me noodle. Okay. Let me try to bear it out. Okay. Like what everybody is thinking might happen. I had heard at one point that they expected a bill by today. Like, I think it's really close. But then they canceled that education committee meeting. Well, Stivers told me when we were finishing up session today, I said, because I was trying to get with him, I needed him to get with the UofL Board of Trustees because we we're trying to finish up that UofL um, uh, bill to try to work on accreditation. And uh, I said, what were you doing last night? I said, I really needed you to call David Grissom um, to touch base on these two things. He's like, I was in a charter school meeting. And I said, what were we all talking about? And he goes, oh, what were we talking about? And so that leads me to believe that there's still a lot of. Yeah, I think yesterday was the day Bips had a room reserved and was doing some kind of informative come and learn about charter schools thing. How do I get a room So like BIPS that? is Bluegrass Institute for Public Policy. Uh, on the Connect the Dots document, you can see that they were formed. Um, by a business partner of Matt Bevins and Jim Waters, uh, but is currently funded by State uh, Policy Network, which is a Cook Brothers entity. So they're not even trying to hide it. They are, they have ties that go back to the beginning of all this as well, back to Bevin. She was telling me how to reserve a room so that we could do like a lunch and learn, which we ended up doing. Um, again, this was February 10th, and 
they introduced the bill on February 17th and it was signed into law in August. All right, there's just a couple minutes left. Okay. And then if we come So, okay, so on education, on the top of education, but off the charter bill subject for a minute, do you know about the um, neighborhood schools bill, and do you think that has any traction? What are your thoughts on it? I know it? about it. I'm not sure as to the traction. The one thing that they did that's, that they're, they're trying to hang their hat on is that it will save money and it will allow the public schools to have more access to class to spend in their classrooms. People seem to like that rhetoric, um, but I don't know if it will catch. They do have some cost analysis about the amount of money it will save. The numbers that I've seen Bratcher throwing around are incorrect. And when, when three different parents, uh, Rob Matthews, one who's very involved in uh, public education, he runs a blog called Louisville School Beat. Um, when Lou, when Rob got on his page and started asking him where he got his numbers and saying, but did you take into account for this and this, he got right. blocked. And he was very civil with him. And then I went in and asked a question, like, I might have been a little more sarcastic, something like, how convenient, the people who don't have to deal with so-and-so are in favor of killing the bill, you know, or whatever. I got blocked. Um, From Bradshaw? That's so funny. Okay, so here's another thing, too. and. And, and this is just why I'm, I know a little bit about this one, but like for instance, you know, Crosby is well overpopulated. Yes. But they could just stop accepting applications. Like there are ways, but the district is so boneheaded, it's so frustrating. Right, but, yes. but here, did you know that they, in order to meet quote diversity requirements at Crosby, they only look at black and white. They shouldn't be. They should be looking at zip code. Donna Hargens said publicly, we only identify by black and white. And so Jason Nemus That's said, illegal. That's what that's what we thought. So we're looking we're looking into that because we have um, a Muslim population, a Hispanic population, an Indian population. So that's where the audio cuts off. I was using uh, a recording device that was built into my phone. And when people call me and it rings through, it stops the recording. And I guess maybe that's what happened because that's when my recording stopped and I didn't get the end of the call. But I think we heard enough. <laughs> um, and we will continue to break down some of the things that we did here and also catch uh, these episodes on Forward Radio 106.5 FM on Thursdays at 6 p.m., Fridays at 3 p.m., and Saturdays at 7 a.m. Um, we still have two days of the legislative session left, and so what I want to talk about is what we're going to do about it between now and March 30th. So I'm sharing my screen right now, showing you a tweet from Jeb Bush, of all people, celebrating last night's HB 563 win uh, for the GOP McConnell party, the ALEC party that was successful in pushing through a bill that we've managed to 
stop up until the pandemic and uh, the hijacking of our uh, democratic processes that our lawmakers are allowing and enabling to, to happen. So in the Senate, we have 38 senators. Eight of them are Democrats. The rest are Republicans. And uh, our greatest hope is to convince 19 senators to side with Jefferson County Public Schools and recognize that we've been thrown under the bus, that our own lawmakers, that our teachers union has endorsed. On the House side, three at least House Republicans, uh, and a, sorry, two House Republicans and a Democrat voted for the voucher bill last night, which is very harmful. In a future program, maybe later tonight, I will come back and talk about um, stop, how we can stop it in the Senate and who EdChoice Kentucky is, which is why I'm sharing this tweet from Jeb Bush celebrating the voucher bill that passed last night and acknowledging Chad McCoy, who is the sponsor in the House, uh, 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 Senator Alvarado in the Senate, who uh, is also another ALEC uh, legislator, and EdChoice. And again, EdChoice is the voucher um, organization that will be accepting and deciding who gets scholarships and distributing them and keeping the uh, portion of the administrative costs to themselves. That's one of the ways that organizations profit is the administrative fees. So we're going to um, take a look at who EdChoice was and the role that Julie actually played in 2019. On the final day of legislative session, March 28, 2019, um, when uh, she was the, she could have voted to stop Gary Houchin's confirmation and instead made a phone call and apparently was instructed to vote to confirm Gary Houchin. So she passed, uh, she cast the a vote that could have made the difference and stopped the confirmation of Gary Houchin's, who was a director with Ed Choice and who on the Connect the Dots document, I will show you uh, how they are all intertwined. So we'll do that on a future episode. Again, thank you for joining us for Forward Radio 106.5 FM. You've been listening to a conversation that took place on February 10th, 2017 between myself and my Senator, Julie Rocky Adams. Thanks for joining us. For more information about the efforts to draw attention to the concerns that we have, please visit thepeoplesagenda.net, www.thepeoplesagenda.net. Thank you. Have a great day.